Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome to the Stronger Minds podcast, where I, Kimberly Wilson, chartered psychologist, bring you insights into the mind along with the latest information and research on how to build healthy brains. This is a follow-up episode to the Understanding Borderline Personality Disorder episode. In this pod, I talk to Rosie from Talking About BPD. Rosie is a blogger, writer and artist. Her blog, Talking About BPD, shares the details of her life with the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. Rosie hopes that through sharing her thoughts, feelings and ideas, she can help change perceptions of this much stigmatised and often misunderstood mental health condition. She has an MSc in Medical Humanities, is a qualified primary school teacher, and currently works in psychosocial support services in a charity. Rosie's next big project is to write a book based on her blog, and she says she won't stop talking about her BPD until all of the people with this condition are treated with respect, compassion, and understanding. You can learn more about Rosie and her work by visiting her website, that's www.talkingaboutbpd.co.uk, and you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at TalkingAboutBPD. Thank you very much for joining me um, and for making the time. I know that uh, we've all got busy lives, and so I really do appreciate <laughs> you making the time. Um, and I think the point of this episode is really, I think really because... I think BPD is poorly understood mm-hmm. um, and I think that's not just by the public in general I think that's absolutely the case but I mm. think often I think often clients can get the wrong idea about their own diagnosis mm-hmm. um, and that I think because personality disorders have that label mm-hmm. personality disorders it becomes something so difficult to talk about because it's as if there's something wrong with my personality yes. rather than I have a set of reactions that developed out of a particular set of circumstances. Yes. Um, Which is how I would understand it. But how would you understand or describe the diagnosis? What does it mean for you? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. And yeah, it's a really sort of tricky question sometimes to answer, um, really, because like you've mentioned, the word personality in the, the name of the diagnosis can really be really difficult to sort of comprehend and understand. How I would understand um, BPD, borderline personality disorder, is 
really um for me it's all about intense emotions and very very kind of extreme sort of highs and lows and quite rapidly changing emotions and moods as well as um, lots of difficult thoughts as well about myself about the world sometimes about my relationships and um I'm not a medical professional but I I think that the word personality within personality personality disorders tends to be about um, thoughts feelings and behaviors and ways Mm -hmm. of relating um, to the world to yourself and to others around you Mm -hmm. but for me primarily it's about extreme sort of emotions one moment feeling really really sad feeling really upset and then maybe half an hour later feeling just really happy and laughing and really jolly so it can be quite a confusing experience to go through And do you have any sense when you're having those rapidly changing emotional states, do you have any sense of what's causing them or why it's happened? Um, Or does that come later or does that not come at all? Yeah, I think everybody's different. But for me, I, I, I nearly always know why I feel that way. And it can be something as small as two words somebody said or, um, how somebody, looks across the room or something and I have interpreted it as oh my gosh something terrible's happening um I think I've upset that person and I sort of tend to worry that I've done something wrong Mm -hmm. and that can trigger a lot of shame in me or um, a lot of anxiety and sadness um and I and then it sort of starts a spiral of thinking and and the emotions rise really really quickly And when the emotions have just surged into me really quickly, then the emotional state kind of takes over. And it is quite hard to think clearly um, because my emotions are so heightened and my thoughts are going so quickly. And it's almost a suffocation kind of thing. You just all of a sudden it's just there and that's all you can feel and all you can see. And I actually have, um, I write quite a bit of poetry and I've done spoken word poetry before and I've got one line in one of the poems that really explains that for me. And it's um, it's only this moment, it's only this pain. I relive that time lapse shot of a memory over and over again. So it's kind of being trapped in something, just mm-hmm. a very small thing. And you just, that's all I can see in that moment, just completely blinded. And it for me, it's the worst pain imaginable when it happens um for me it's compared to other things that happen where I feel something sad has happened or maybe somebody has um you know an upsetting situation has happened for me that's upsetting on a different level but when when it's kind of a BPD sort of episode I call it for me it's next level of pain of emotional pain so when you're in one of those BPD moments, it's as if your entire mind kind of narrows in yeah. to focus only on those emotions that are happening in that moment. Yeah. And so you don't have the kind of peripheral vision to kind of see no. the grander content. <laughs> like, no. That's the hard part. <laughs> That's the hard part that I've been trying to do, but it's almost as if you've just sort of, fallen down a well and you're just looking up at the sky and it's just a tiny little bit of light at the top and you can't you can barely even see that tiny bit of light at the top you're so far in the hole Mm. that you just can't see um and it can be difficult for people to comprehend Mm -hmm. because sometimes people think how could one comment from I don't know your your boss at work or Mm -hmm. how could one text make you feel like 
everything you've ever worked for and everything you've ever given to anybody or all the things you've worked for in your life and your relationships could be just destroyed in one single word Mm -hmm. but that's how it feels Mm. so it's very confusing for people for me in the past although I think I'm understanding better now but for people in my life sometimes they just think what how could she be so upset so quickly and then by the same token they can be equally confused when I've recovered really quickly and actually oh I feel fine again I'm I'm going swimming now or mm. you know I'm I'm going to the cinema now and I'm not crying anymore yeah and because the way I sometimes think about it is is as if you don't feel like in your relationships you accrue any credit it's as if like you live moment by moment oh yeah yeah um, and so that any bad thing just destroys anything yeah. that's come before it yeah I've never thought about it like that but I think from now on I probably will use that <laughs> metaphor because that is kind of how it feels um it doesn't feel like you're on steady ground in a way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've seen um an illustration by the artist Gemma Carell mm-hmm. who does cartoons and she did she's one great. about BPD yeah she's she? really good um, and she did one about different mental health conditions and her what her drawing about BPD was a woman standing on a carpet on a rug mm. and then the carpet was rolling underneath her feet and it was rolling out and she was almost falling over and it said on the bottom something like you never know when the carpet's going to rip out from under your feet mm-hmm. and that is that is quite true because there's an element of unpredictability so you do like you said you do feel sometimes that what you did before is just, it, it doesn't exist anymore. It's just what you do in that moment and anybody could change their opinion on you and it could all it, it could all be lost. I, ha- I had this phrase, it's like, everything's lost, mm-hmm. everything's lost. And of course it isn't once you've realised after the emotions have gone down and you're thinking a bit more rationally. Um, but it's like, you. it feels like everything you've worked for is just gone in those BPD mm-hmm. moments. You just... It's completely awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you get your initial diagnosis? And I, mm. I say initial, but <laughs> I know sometimes the process, it can take a long time and oh, you get a yeah. bit of a diagnosis here and then you don't. And what was the kind of process? Yeah. Like for well, you? good question. Um, and you're right. It takes a long time for a lot of people and it did take a long time for me. Um, it took me over 10 years, I would say, to get, the diagnosis properly as in kind of properly get it um when I was around 18 19 and I started in university um I'm 27 now yes and I I got to university and after one term I just ended up having a massive breakdown a huge emotional breakdown Mm -hmm. and I ended up leaving university for nine months and then going back later and I also had an eating disorder at that point as well. Um, but really the problem was this, exactly what I described before uh, earlier on in the podcast, intense emotional states mm-hmm. coming and going very quickly, feeling unstable in relationships, in, in the world. And I did see a therapist throughout that time when I was at university and different doctors, but nobody suggested about BPD to me or or did a diagnosis for BPD or anything. I I just thought all that time secretly that I had a bipolar. Um, I'd watched some documentaries about bipolar disorder and Mm -hmm. I thought, 
oh my gosh, that's that's me, like that's me there. Okay. And but I didn't tell anybody because I was obviously just very scared about it. And so I just sort of sat there for years thinking, I, I think I've got bipolar, but I can't say. And if I say, nobody will believe me. So I just kept quiet. I don't know nobody will believe you. I think I, I think I kind of got swamped by all the stereotype, stereotypes. So I think people would, I imagine that people would say to me, oh, no, you don't. You know, Stephen Fry's got bipolar. You don't have bipolar. Or, um, you know, oh, so-and-so famous person's got bipolar you you're not like that you don't have that and it was kind of stereotypical or misinformed mm-hmm. understandings of what bipolar disorder is that is like because I'm I'm not an expert but I'm sure it's a very varied set of um mm-hmm. experiences so after that time when I had that initial breakdown when I was 18 19 I went back to university and but somehow managed to complete the degree but in the third year of the degree Mm -hmm. um things just got even more volatile for me I ended up going sort of to A&E quite a few times because my GP had just didn't know what to do with me and so um and how were you presenting at A&E what was what um, were you asking for um well I was asking on the basic level just help me I wasn't even asking coherently because I was so distressed that I didn't even have. I I could couldn't really string a sentence together at all. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to string sentences together now, but it it was a time I just didn't even know what was happening, and the GPs um had just said to me go to A and A because in that location there was no specialised place for me to go. There wasn't a crisis team department that wasn't in A&E so I had to go mm-hmm. to A&E and it was awful there I had a really bad experience but since then I've had better experiences but at that time it was really negative experience for me in um, terms of the the treatment or the um waiting or um I I didn't get any treatment I didn't get any help I just got told you need to go away I mean I can tell the story of it here if you're, if you, if you're if happy to oh yeah I'm happy to I just it's just quite har- harrowing looking back um so basically my GP had told me um go to A&E um because you're you know you're suicidal you're at risk you need to go to A&E um basically if you don't go to A&E we'll probably just call the police so anyway I went to A&E my mum took me there um you told I, them you were suicidal. Yeah, I told them I was suicidal. Um, they talked with me. Two nurses talked with me briefly. Um, they told me, oh, you have low self-esteem. And I said, I definitely don't have low self-esteem. Um, I've just gone to, like, you know, top university. I'm getting, like, top grades. Um, I'm doing really well. I've got loads of friends. I actually think quite confidently about myself in a lot a lot of situations you know even though I was presenting to A&E very distressed when I wasn't distressed I was like yeah I'm gonna do this with my life I'm gonna write a book I'm gonna write a novel like I had I didn't feel that low self-esteem was really the issue and although probably could argue could argue on some level it was but I didn't think what they were offering me was going to help me because they said to me we can put you on a a course for self-esteem self-esteem like management and they told me oh it's a seven week waiting list for this um self-esteem course 
And my mum was like, well, she's suicidal right now. Seven weeks waiting list is too long. Self-esteem group doesn't sound really that relevant right now, or at least not the immediate thing to be doing. And I expressed that to the nurses and they were like, "Okay, well, you're refusing help. And at this point, I just completely lost it. And I completely broke down, screaming, shouting, because I, I just had gone to the place to get the help. And they told me, we're not helping you. So it was a very shocking moment for me. And actually, me and my mum, oh, actually, I forgot the most shocking part. They told me, if you don't get out of the hospital now, we'll call the police. On what grounds? Yeah, and I'm saying it now and I'm thinking, oh, people listening probably won't believe that. It just sounds too unbelievable. But, you know, my mum was there. Um, It's probably on the record somewhere if I dig them up, dug them up. But So that stopped me from getting out for a good few years. Yeah. so sad that that put you off asking for help again. It did. It did. And since then, um, since those years have passed, you know, it's really a good thing to say that I do have a lot of good help now. I have really good help now. And mm-hmm. since then, I've had really positive experiences with, with um, professionals, um, you know, in GPs, in, in A&E, in mm-hmm. crisis teams and stuff like that. So um, I don't want to discourage anybody listening from asking mm-hmm. for the help. I just want to say, I guess, sometimes you, people ask for the help and it doesn't come to them, mm-hmm. which is obviously very very sad and just not right at all mm. that's so difficult because we know with any mental health concern how mm. difficult it is to often build up the courage yeah. to ask or to even say that there's something wrong mm. um, you know that you're frightened mm. and you know there's one thing getting not back or not believed by mm friends family yeah the general public but there's something in fact that was the tweet that we the little tweet conversation oh, we yeah. had wasn't it, it was, yeah you know what is it like when you have a negative experience yeah. from a professional and that how that can have really lasting um really lasting effects and i'm trying to think because i've certainly worked in services where and it's tough because they were quite difficult environments and so there's a lot going on. And I'm trying I'm, I want to be accurate, I'm trying to think about whether I've remembered this accurately. <laughs> but I, I feel mm. like I, I've worked in teams where that old stereotype of oh, I've got a, a BPD client, she's just being manipulative oh, has yeah, been thrown yeah, about. Yeah. And it's really difficult because y- you know that your colleague is responding to some distress you know mm-hmm. that often you know mental health services are overstretched yes. and there isn't enough support for staff mm-hmm. and maybe they've witnessed some harrowing things in the morning and then they've yeah, you know got all these yeah. things to attend to in the afternoon but equally you're sat there thinking I pray to God that you haven't expressed that to the person in distress because mm-hmm. the harm you could be doing mm-hmm. You just don't know. You're right. You're right. And I was a teacher for four years, um, working in a primary school. And although I haven't worked in the NHS, um, you know, I can see some parallels between my friends who are 
who do work in the NHS and my friends who are teachers in the same way that there isn't support for the staff um you know that the waiting times for everything are very long for appointments and assessments Mm -hmm. um you know so I can relate in a way to that but you're right yeah when you're with the client um, the client or the patient I guess yeah you have to be so careful when there's the power balance Mm. there when there's the power balance when the patient's looking at the doctor or the nurse or the therapist as the expert and if it's kind of closed doors then it can just be such a feeling of rejection and um you know feelings of rejection it's it's quite likely that that's something people with bpd or a lot of people with bpd mm. already finding difficult so when that rejection comes when you're asking for help about your bpd it's almost like a double coming i'm laughing but <laughs> it's just face, it's just a slap it? in the face yeah so so when did you finally get a proper assessment and mm-hmm. um, the diagnosis of bpd yeah so it's kind of twofold in a way so the first time somebody said about BPD to me, well, a few different things, actually, like you say, it was a bit of a process. So there was a counsellor I was seeing at university. So around uh, around the time of the A&E incident that I described, um, you know, just now, um, and she said to me sort of quite briefly in passing, about BPD mm-hmm. and this was just before the Christmas break so she mentioned it to me and then I oh, went no. home <laughs> you know what happened I went home and googled it of course you did. and I spent the worst Christmas ever oh, feeling awful because you know I would think most people with BPD probably are familiar with all the horrible websites and you know really misogynistic sort of horrible websites and YouTube channels and Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just, there's just some awful things online. About the UPC? Yeah. Awful things. Oh. Awful things. I, I, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Do you want well, me to say from, what I've seen? 
Uh, yeah. yeah, and then if it, you know, if it's terrible, we can cut it out. Yeah. But absolutely, go ahead. Yeah, no, I've seen um, there's somebody's YouTube channel. I can't remember his name. It's things like how to get rid of your crazy ex girlfriend with BPD, and it's pictures of like him with a chainsaw, and it's pictures of um, oh, you know, I don't even really want to say it because sure. it's just so awful, but like awful, like horribly like monster sort of images and violent images and. I know my friends say, you know, he's one person on the internet and, you know, he's probably had some bad experiences mm-hmm. and he's taking it out on some small corner of the internet. But these websites that you can come across and blogs that you can come across that are portraying people with BPD as horrible monsters who will ruin your life and, you know, you can encounter these by mm. quite a quick Google search. And I think that people who get a diagnosis of BPD end up googling it and then just thinking oh my gosh will I never have a happy relationship will I never achieve the goals that I want to achieve or will my friends not trust me anymore I mean I just had all these questions um but just to go back as you were Mm. asking me about um how I got the diagnosis Mm. so there was the counsellor who mentioned it and then one of the GPs I had in um my university, uh, where I was living in, in my town in university, she she mentioned about BPD and it was her who put me on the waiting list to get an assessment with a psychiatrist. But I actually got taken off that waiting list. I know. <laughs> I'm just looking at your face. And... <laughs> just oh, no. And I'm sure my story's not the worst out there, but um, yeah, I got taken off the waiting list and I didn't get told I'd been taken off the waiting list. And the reason I got taken off the waiting list was because I'd been seen by the crisis team. And apparently because I'd been seen by the crisis team, that was grounds to remove me from the psychiatrist waiting list. It doesn't add up. Maybe there was some administrative error. I actually didn't have the energy to look into what went wrong. So what happened was um, I was seeing a mental health advisor in the university. So as you can tell, I was getting all the different university supports that were out there, which was good, Um, really good. And um, this mental health advisor, she was really nice. Um, She was very accommodating. And she said, "Okay, we have a psychiatrist who comes into the university counselling service from time to time. I'll get you an appointment with her. So I did have an appointment with her and it was one and a half hours and she asked me a whole bunch of questions, you know, pertaining Mm. to the the, the DSM and, you know, all of the um, questionnaires that that doctors Mm. use for diagnosis. Um, And then at the end she goes, yes, um, you do meet the criteria for BPD. And she goes, it's good for you to know that, um, but I'm not going to put it in your medical notes. And I was like, why? Why? Because it's, 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 you know, if you've diagnosed me with it, then surely that's should go in the medical history. In notes, my medical history. In my medical history, mm-hmm. because it's a piece of information that, you know, part of the jigsaw puzzle in a way. Mm-hmm. And I asked her why, because I was genuinely puzzled. And she said, oh, I just think it's better for you to know, but not for other professionals to know. And this is the point where I started the blog. <laughs> Because I was just, it completely silenced me. It it made me feel like I had this awful secret to just carry around and I just didn't know what to do with it because I wasn't offered any specialised help 
as a result of the diagnosis. It was that. I didn't even get a follow-up appointment with her. <laughs> it, it's... it's oh, so, there are a few thoughts in my mind. <laughs> the first one was how, with the rejection from the A&E department and with being taken off the list, you know, the rejection and that feeling of being forgotten mm. are two of the big kind of emotional risks for people yeah. with BPD. And yeah. it's so strange Mm, but mm, mm. the thing that really strikes me and I don't know whether it's just a strange coincidence but um Brian who I also interviewed for this podcast Mm. said exactly the same thing about his diagnosis which was that the assessor said you meet all of these criteria but we're not going to actually diagnose you with it okay and their their explanation when he asked them was oh because we don't want to label you we don't want you to be labeled Mm -hmm. but his frustration was yes but then how do I access services if you're not going to give me a diagnosis then how can I go to a BPD service and Mm -hmm. say that I'm entitled to treatment yeah well I'm just shaking my head because the answer is well you can't I don't think you're not going to how are you going to access a service if you don't have the thing that they're asking you to help you with I'm just confused. It's confused. It's just... It's very strange. And did she explain exactly, or should we just infer, but did she explain exactly what she meant when she said, I don't think it's useful for other professionals to know about this diagnosis? Um, to be honest, my memory is not as... You know, I can't mm-hmm. I can't really remember. I just remember her saying, it's better for you to know, but not, not for other people, other professionals to know. So I just kept it quiet then because she was a psychiatrist and she was a psychotherapist as well and she trained for you know x amount of years and I was 19 I think and I just thought well who else have I got to help me she told me to do that so I guess I'll have to just go with that it goes back to the whole power imbalance Mm -hmm. thing of well I didn't have anyone else to ask or have the advice of so So what I did after that was I felt, well, I felt really um, completely silenced. It was just as if a big kind of zipper had gone across my mouth Mm -hmm. because it started off this whole thing of like, I don't think I can tell anybody because if people find out, then I'm going to be treated badly. Mm -hmm. And given the the history that I told you about of where I had been treated quite with quite shocking lack of respect or compassion from a couple of professionals not all of them but a couple of them which you know I I feel like I've probably only come to terms with that in the last year or so it's Mm. taken so long to to deal with um but no she didn't say exactly why but I guess it just I just got my thinking hat on after that and what I did was I I went to the library at university we had a copyright library with every single book printed in the UK so I went there I called up every single book about BPD and I skim read everything. I, I really read, skim read, looked at every single thing I could get my hands on. You know, I must have read every single website that I could get my hands on within the first, you know, five, six pages of Google or whatever. And it just became this project where I just, not only did I just look up to try and find information about myself, about how to understand BPD and how to deal with it, it was also you know I was studying English so 
I was enjoying reading and reading critically. So I started to just assess how well these books had been written and what critical rigour had been applied. And, you know, I could just see lots of stereotypes just running through them, Mm -hmm. these books. And I just thought, you know what, I don't have anybody to talk to about this, this how I feel about this. You know, I could talk a little bit to a few people, but fully, properly, like about how consumed I felt by this I didn't really so that's why I started the blog Mm -hmm. pretty much um in terms of diagnosis um around I think it must be around two years ago now I had another diagnosis from a like proper sort of well-organized mental health team who like did a rigorous diagnosis over quite a few sessions and joined up all the dots between the GPs and different doctors and different nurses and it felt like a proper kind of fully joined up Mm -hmm. considered careful you know considerate thoughtful respectful I'm going (laughs) on but it's just because I'm kind of gushing that I'm just like okay it was a positive experience made such a difference yeah and I just felt oh wow oh wow these are you know I'm actually being cared for now about my BPD and I'm being taken seriously and I might finally have something that that helps me in a tailored way Mm -hmm. and since then that's when I've been able to manage it much better and feel much better Mm -hmm. and what has that treatment looked like what have you um access yeah so since that um second diagnosis um that's what I call it (laughs) um it's been dbt which is dialectical behavioral Mm -hmm. behavior therapy as you know (laughs) um so so yeah both the individual and the groups yeah Mm -hmm. that's right so it's been individual groups and also phone so so um I can actually phone my therapist in the week and she'll give me you know, tips on what do what different DBT skills to do and what strategies to do. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I don't really phone her very much <laughs> at all. But um, she she can phone me if she needs to give me some advice on or help me to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and so, the uh, kind of two questions that I I think are really pertinent because I think some of what you've described there are going to be people listening to this episode who know people with BPD but don't know that they know people with BPD right so they're going to have a friend who maybe fits some of these Mm -hmm. criteria these experiences or talks in these ways as I do Mm -hmm. you know that everything is gone but doesn't really understand what it is so what things from other people we'll start with the bad news have you found (laughs) unhelpful what kinds of reactions from people unhelpful for you (laughs) okay I'm laughing because um now looking back I have a story that is you know one of the most unhelpful things somebody could say to me which I now just laugh and find funny because I I have no other way of dealing with it really um so after I got the diagnosis for the first time Mm -hmm. you know in the university um I I met up with my friend who'd probably been to a lecture or something and we had a coffee or something and um you know she was just like oh how are you and I decided just on that moment I thought you know what I should tell her like why should I be ashamed you know why should I sit here and hide it because you know I'd been exposed to all these campaigns you know it's time to talk it's time to tell people <laughs> it's, start you know I was like I'm so you know forward thinking I'll start the conversation and I did it and she goes, I said, oh, yes, yeah, so it's BPD, Borderline Personality Disorder. 
um, which really made me feel sick saying that at the time. Mm-hmm. I was so nervous and I just, you know, it felt really awful for me to say it. Um, and then she goes, oh yeah, I know all about that. And I was like, really? Wow. Like I, I've never heard of it before. You know, mm-hmm. so was like, she goes, yeah, it's in, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> Put the cushion on your head. Oh, <laughs> oh it sounds God. like a fiction. It sounds like a fiction. I know. And you know, I, which she, kind of feeds uh, into this monstrous monster thing. story that you've seen elsewhere. That's, yeah, exactly. Oh. So okay. I made an excuse like, oh, my contact lenses are falling out because I, I wear contact lenses and they're always playing up. So I, like, oh, I need to go home. I can't, you know, I can't mm-hmm. sleep properly. But I just went, I just went home and I just cried for ages because I was like, is this what my life's going to be like for the rest of time now? If I, you know, speak the truth about my actual life, people are going to give me like monster stereotypes because, you know, it, I think people with BPD have a really hard deal with unhelpful comments. Mm-hmm. No, film representations are pretty bad. Yeah, I just think it's it's really hard to oh, I don't know. I don't know. Unhelpful things to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Avoid mon- monster stereotypes. <laughs> Anybody listening, that's yeah. probably the one take home we'd both like you to get from this episode. Yeah, no mention of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um oh, I, don't know. Oh, I, I mean, guess, maybe I that's guess, enough. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> enough. Yeah, it's probably. I've gone gone in there with such a kind of big story that I've got nothing else to say now. <laughs> okay, so what? So what is helpful? Either things yeah. that people do or say that yeah. is helpful. Yeah, I really like that question, and I'm actually asked that a lot, and that's probably testament to how many lovely friends I've got who do ask me things like that. For me, the number one tip is. It's just about something that validates the emotions or the feelings. So it's not to say, you know, don't say something like, oh, it's not a big problem. You're crying over nothing. Oh, don't make a big deal of it. Yeah. Anything that minimizes um, how the person feels or just tells them that their their feelings are wrong. Um, You know. I don't know what that noise was. Something outside. (laughs) Sounded like a monster. Hopefully not. <laughs> Zombie apocalypse is coming. So, um, but anything think, that minimises yeah, the emotion, don't yeah, do that. Yeah, don't do that. I think, I mean, everyone's different. Maybe some people love that. I mean, I don't know, but I I don't. I think um, most people don't in general. Yeah. Like having their emotions minimised. You're right. I always feel like I have to have a disclaimer of like, everyone's different. Some people like that. But I think, yeah, things to say that, you know, somebody can understand your perspective or what they're listening to you properly mm-hmm. um you know to say oh I can see that you know this is a really upsetting situation for you or you know I can see that you're really stressed about this and how can I help you with that is there anything I can help you with with that or um you know I don't think there's a set of responses to say but just kind of support just be supportive yeah yeah definitely and I, I, one thing I hear quite a lot um, people saying on social media and things is that it's not all, it's not very nice to, 
you know, always have everything attributed to BPD. You know, oh, it's just because we have BPD or like, sure. oh, you have BPD, so, you know, this is how you feel. And, you know, not to minimise a person down to, oh, you have BPD, so, you know, this is why you feel this way. Actually, you know, I feel the way I feel because of a very complicated, wide set of experiences and it's not always to do with my BPD. Mm-hmm. Might be. It might just be because, you know, um, I... I somebody was rude to me or mean to me and it's nothing to do with my BPD I'm just reacting that way because I think anybody mm-hmm. would feel that way or and I think that's where it can be quite quite dangerous um for people to attribute everything to BPD you know mm-hmm. people going through sexism racism abuse bullying anything um where they're getting hardship from people or they're getting unfairly treated by people is to not give the excuse of oh it's because of your bpd that's mm-hmm. why you're kicking up a fuss you know generally you, you know you need to believe a person when they're telling you about their experiences and it's not just oh you know oh you have bpd oh you have depression oh you have anxiety da, da, da. Mm-hmm. just actually understand the person's experiences and if they're telling you something's wrong then you know it, you 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 have no reason to think why that it's not you know you need to believe that person. Is there anything else that you would like people to know or understand? Um, any resources? I mean, mm. do you want to mention of your blogs or anything like that that you, that you think would be yeah. useful for people, either people with the diagnosis, people who are recently diagnosed, or just the public? Mm-hmm. I'd say if you're recently di- diagnosed. Um, or somebody you you know and you care about is recently diagnosed I'd say just be really careful with what you google and what you read on the internet just check the sources that you're reading and maybe ask other people with BPD if you if you know them or if you have access to those people on social media or the internet Mm -hmm. for what what they found helpful because even some published books by medical people Mm -hmm. sometimes those books are quite stereotypical and can be really hurtful. You know, there are Especially books... some of the older ones. Mm-hmm, older books, you're right. Um, I mean, I really like um, Debbie Corso's blog. It's um, called... Oh, no, I can't remember the name now. Healing from BPD, that's the name. Um, she shares her life and she shares lots about DBT um, and lots of tips and she just shares her experience. And I used to listen to her videos when I was upset because I thought, okay she has a really calming voice and she knows exactly what this is like and I can see myself in her experiences and I just found that really soothing in a way so I listened to her um, videos on YouTube I just I just started my blog talking about BPD because I wanted to put something out there on the internet that showed what life with BPD can be like and it's not um, you know all the stereotypes it's not me going around you know being manipulative manipulative attention seeking all these stereotypes you know I think that the main stereotypes of BPD is that people are attention seeking and manipulative and it's just 100% not true it's just people distressed people needing help people not knowing what to do trying to find a, a solution to cope so yeah um I think that's yeah, I can't think of any other advice, really. Oh, yeah, I can, actually. Amazing one. <laughs> My friend, um, Catherine, um, who's, uh, she has an Instagram called My Illustrated Mind and also a Facebook called My Illustrated Mind. Um, she's 017cat uh, on Twitter and she's 
um, a brilliant artist and she she illustrates her emotional states and she talks about schema therapy and how it's helped her with her um you know with her emotional distress so i'd say check out um catherine she's a beautiful artist and she's so insightful about mental health conditions thank you very very much for those recommendations and thank you very very much for joining me thank you so much for having me it's been so good to chat with you and um yeah so thank you it's been really really nice to be asked to be on the show Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.